Good morning. We have um, three readings today. They all come from Leviticus, which is the third book in the Bible near the front. Um, The first one comes from Leviticus chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Then we'll flick a few verses and go down, starting again at verse 12. And then the last one comes from Leviticus chapter 7. So the first one is Leviticus 3, starting at the first verse. If your offering is a fellowship offering and you offer an animal from the herd, whether male or female, you are to present before the Lord an animal without defect. You are to lay your hand on the head of your offering and slaughter it at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Then Aaron's sons, the priests, shall shall splash the blood against the sides of the altar. From the fellowship offering, you are to bring a food offering to the Lord, the internal organs and all the fat that is connected to them, both kidneys with the fat on them near the loins and the long lobe of the liver, which you will remove with the kidneys. Then Aaron's sons are to burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering that is lying on the burning wood. It is a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Then down to verse 12. If your offering is a goat, you are to present it before the Lord. Lay your hand on its head and slaughter it in front of the tent of meeting. Then Aaron's son shall splash its blood against the sides of the altar. From what you offer, you are to present this food offering to the Lord, the internal organs and all the fat that is connected to them, both kidneys with the fat on them near the loins, and the long lobe of the liver, which you will remove with the kidneys. The priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering, a pleasing aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. This is a lasting ordinance for, ge- for the generations to come, wherever you live. You must not eat any fat or any blood. And then flicking over to chapter 7, starting at verse 12. If they offer it as an expression of thankfulness, then along with this thank offering, they are to offer thick loaves made without yeast and with olive oil mixed in, thin loaves made without yeast and brushed with oil, and thick loaves of the finest flour, well kneaded and with oil mixed in. Along with their fellowship offering of thanksgiving, they are to present an offering with thick loaves of bread made with yeast. They are to bring one of each kind as an offering, a contribution to the Lord. It belongs to the priest who splashes the blood of the fellowship offering against the altar. The meat of their fellowship offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the day it is offered. They must leave none of it till morning. If, however, their offering is the result of a vow or is a free will offering, the sacrifice shall be eaten on the day they offer it, but anything left over may be eaten on the next day. Any meat of the sacrifice left over till the third day must be burnt up. If any meat of the fellowship offering is eaten on the third day, the one who offered it will not be accepted. It will not be reckoned to their credit, for it has become impure. The person who eats any of it will be held responsible. Meat that touches anything ceremonially unclean must not be eaten. It must be burned up. As for the other meat, 
Anyone ceremonially clean may eat it. Right, everyone, g'day. Lovely to see you. How good is it meeting outside? Wouldn't, wouldn't you just love to be out here every day, except for the flies, of course? Um, I do have some um, fly, you know, what do you call it? Not Aerogard, it's that really heavy-duty, you know, tropical strength, burn-your-skin type stuff, but at least... Uh, don't have flies on me. Uh, now, so um, I, Matt said that it was HSC exams, but I don't think that's right. I think they're just setting up for their, because this is only a school that goes to year 10. Uh, there's a new deputy that sort of got into a new system, uh, and so they set up the exams. They let us know on Friday, and so we had to sort of set up here like this today, um, which really illustrates uh, some of the tenuous nature of our um, sort of uh, booking of the hall. Like We've been here for 12 years, uh, but every now and then we, we get a little bit of a curveball, and it's just worth us realising that we don't have a signed contract with the school. It's like a week-by-week week arrangement, uh, and there's no reason why, you know, we can't be turfed out at any time. It's a really good, in a sense, it's a blessing from God to remind us while we need to keep moving ahead with the block of land and getting a building on there and moving on there. So uh, just take that as God's sign that we're, we, you know, we're heading uh, in the right direction with that and praise God for a beautiful day today. Uh, it's just such a... I really love being out here and uh, in the open air, but obviously we can't do that every day. Um, how about I pray uh, and then we'll get into it. Oh, God, our Father, uh, you are the God of so many blessings and you provide for us richly in every way. And we thank you for this beautiful day, uh, this place we have to meet. Uh, we thank you for the block of land that you've given us and the opportunities we have to keep moving ahead there. But we thank you most importantly for your word and your son, uh, for the eternal life that you give us through him. And Father, we pray that you'll bring our thoughts onto him. Uh, and onto your word, and we pray that you will refresh us and renew us and encourage us. Uh, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know if you know. I don't know if you've noticed. I'm sure you have. But Australians have become obsessed with food. I'm sure we've always liked food, uh, but it really feels like it's you know heightened up uh, in the last decade or so. So when I was growing up. You know, the staple meal was meat and three vegetables. Uh, and, you know, it was, you just knew what was going to come. And mum, as far as I'm aware, mum cooked the meal. Uh, and the reason I say that is because now you don't just cook something. Uh, you know, you tenderise it, you caramelise it, you sauté it, you, you temper it, you um, parboil And all those techniques, we've got a new vocabulary for talking about Cooking, And so when you talk about cooking, that sounds ordinary compared to all these other things that we might do. And, and you no longer, have you noticed listening to TV, you no longer talk about gravy. As in, you don't talk about gravy, you talk about jus, or something like that. I don't even know how you say it. It's some French word, jus, right? And it means, you know, cooked in the juices. Or you no longer have salad dressing, you have aioli. You know, and we just get used to these things and they become part of our vo vocabulary. Uh, and the idea is that, you know, I, I don't know whether my mum did this, but you can't plate someone, something up before someone unless you put your heart into it. Have you noticed this? You've got to cook from the heart. 
Uh, and, uh, and, and we never, we never said to mum, you know, when she served up dinner, we never said, oh, no, I don't feel like you've, I don't feel like this has come from your heart, you know, and, and like the judges do on MasterChef, you know, they say, oh, no, I don't really feel like you put your heart into this dish. Uh, and I don't know what would have happened <laughs> if we had have tried that on mum. Um, but have you noticed all the cooking shows in the last decade, right? I, in Australia alone in the last decade, we've produced 42 cooking shows. You know, when you look across all the um, different TV channels and, and, you know, MasterChef, MasterChef Professionals, um, what is it? Ready, Steady, Cook. What else is there? My Kitchen Rules. Iron Chef. Well, yeah, because that 42 Australian shows, and then you've got the imported shows like Iron Chef and Jamie Oliver. Oh, okay, in Japan, it's where Gordon Ramsay, um, someone in Thailand. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's just uh, it's just all over the place. But he, but here there is a tragedy, right? I watch these shows, and there is a tragedy in these shows. Because for all the expertise, for all the hours of television viewing about great food, almost none of them understand what makes a great meal. And you think, how sad is that? Uh, you know, they've, they've, they pour their lives into the pursuit of great food, but almost none of them know the secret to a great meal but I'm going to share it with you here this morning. I can save you hundreds of hours of TV watching uh, and the, the, the secret is found in this obscure book of Leviticus. Right? This morning, God will reveal to you the secret to a great meal. Uh, but more than that, God will reveal the secret to genuine, real, lasting joy. So uh, it's going to be a good morning. Uh, so uh, if you're here last week, uh, we looked at the burnt offering. Now, the, the kids probably thought they were going to get something special here, but it's actually you guys. Can you hear me all right? It's all, all good? Okay, so last week we looked at the burnt offering. So I'll put this up here. Uh, and I'm going to be both the worshipper and the priest this morning. Uh, so remember, the burnt offering, what you do is you would bring a bull, uh, the best bull uh, in your herd, uh, and you would bring it to the entrance to this tent of meeting, uh, and you'd take it in, and then you would lay your hands on the bull. And the whole idea of laying your hands on the bull uh, was, in a, was saying, this bull represents me. Uh, there is something about this bull that represents me, and, and because it's... Because this burnt offering has to do with my sin and cleansing me of sin, it's, it's almost like my sin is being transferred onto this ball. And what is the next thing that I do? I take out a knife and I kill it. Right? Kill it and its, and its blood sort of drips down. I drain the blood. We need a bit more blood. It's actually, this is why I didn't do it with the kids as a kid's talk, because it's a bit, you know, it's a bit brutal. Um, all right, so you kill it, you drain its blood, um, and then uh, what the priests do is they, they get it and they splash the blood, 
uh, on the start, Craig's guitar. No, 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 not on your guitar, bro. Uh, uh, and so they don't splash it all over the bull. Uh, they splash it all over the altar. And it's like, um, you know, symbolising bringing cleansing. Uh, and then, uh, then the worshipper skins it. Uh, they cut it into pieces. Uh, and then they take the whole, the whole bull and they put, you know, they cut it into pieces and they put it on the altar. And then the, and, and, you know, which is a sort of like a, like an ancient barbecue type arrangement. Put it on the altar and then the whole thing is burnt up till all that is left is ashes. Uh, and we're told that this sacrifice turns aside the wrath of God against the sinner. Uh, and it is a pleasing aroma to God. Okay, so that was the burnt offering. But today, so that's chapter 1, and very similar to the sin offerings in chapters 4 and 5, it's about dealing with sin, atonement, right? Atonement is all about turning aside God's anger so that even though I'm a sinner in the presence of the holy God, I'm not destroyed because, in a sense, the, the bull takes my place, uh, his death for mine. So, in chapter 3, what we have is called a fellowship offering, or in your, in your Bibles, does anyone have a different word for it? A peace offering. Um, so, and both are really good names for this particular sacrifice, um, because it has to do with peace and fellowship. But again, it's very similar, right? But I want you to try to pick up what are some of the differences. Very similar. You take a cow, uh, and again, just like with the, with the bull, it has to be without defect. Uh, so you, you take a cow, you bring it to the entrance to the tent of meeting, uh, you come inside, you lay your hands on the head of the cow, and then, same sort of idea, you kill it. Right, uh, you kill it. You, you drain out its blood. If we can get that sort of effect going on, right? You drain out its blood, and then the priest comes along uh, and splatters the blood uh, on the altar. Right? So not on the, but you know, I haven't got an altar here to sort of um, uh, demonstrate on. Uh, and I'm really glad we're outside doing this. Hey. Uh, and I'm glad we can have, like, it's a very physical ceremony. Like, it's physical enough just with, you know, paper and tomato sauce. But, uh, but this was real life, big, you know, animals being cut up, blood being splattered. Um, all right, so, so you cut the animal up. So you skin the animal, cut it up. Um, and then you place it on top of the meat of the burnt offering. Uh, and... Once more, it is described as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Okay, so there are the two offerings, and hopefully you saw that there was quite a few similarities. Uh, But in understanding the significance of the fellowship offering, you need to spot the differences. So who can tell me what are the differences between the fellowship offering and the burnt offering? Pick the difference. Uh, okay, yes. Yeah. So you notice uh, I could have used this one for either, but I couldn't have used this one for either. Right? You notice the udder 
gives it away. This is a, a cow, a female cow. This is a bull, right? For the um, burnt offering, you could only offer a male. And it had to be your best male animal. Whereas with the, um, with the fellowship offering, it didn't have to be your best. It had to be without defect. So it couldn't be, you know, really dodgy uh, animal. But male or female, and so there's a sense to which it's not, it's not as costly a sacrifice and it's not as tight the requirements as the burnt offering. Yeah, what else have we got? Any other differences? Tammy? Yeah. So in this one, the whole thing is burnt up, um, so there's nothing left. But with this one, uh, there's actually... So with this one, the whole thing, in a sense, is offered to God, is, is food for God. But in this one, the focus is on the fat, the livers, the kidneys, intestines. They are what is burnt up in offering to God. But the rest of it, uh, you know, the priests eat and you eat it and your extended family eat it. So, you, you know, you all gather in together within the tent of meeting and you sit down and you have a meal uh, with the fellowship offering. So, you know, the word, you can see how the word fellowship works well, can't you? Because it's a, it's a communal meal. Um, any other thoughts about the differences? What's the purpose of this one? Atonement, right? That is cleansing us from our sin. It's interesting with the fellowship offering that that language is not used at all. So the language of forgiveness or atonement is not used in relation to the fellowship offering. Uh, And the other difference is that the fellowship offering is placed on top of the burnt offering. Uh, and I reckon there might be some symbolic significance there. So you've got your burnt offering, which is basically burnt to, to ashes, but the fellowship offering is placed on top, is cooked on top. So let's, let's jump to what is the significance. So if this, if this offering, the burnt offering, is about atonement and forgiveness, how a sinful person can come into the presence of the holy God without being destroyed... That's the burnt offering and and the sin offerings. What about the fellowship offering? What's the significance? Well, come over to chapter 7 because it picks up on the fellowship offering again there uh, and we've had it read out. So there are three reasons given why you might make a fellowship offering. Firstly, verse 12, if they offer it as an expression of thankfulness, so this is one reason you might come and make a fellowship offering, an expression of thankfulness to God. Uh, or down in verse 16, if, however, their offering is the result of a vow, um, some sort of arrangement between the person and God, or a free will offering, and that is something I've just decided to do because I want to. Um, I'll give you a, just a way, because like, we don't do this sort of thing, right? So it's, it's a bit out of our cultural sphere. But I reckon there are similarities between all this and giving a bunch of flowers. Right? So um, I don't know if you guys can remember when, when you gave your wife a bunch of flowers. Uh, just remember back to that time. 
why did you give her a bunch of flowers? Um, there are different reasons, aren't there? Uh, <laughs> so, it, well, it could be like a burnt offering, right? Uh, and and then that is something that brings atonement. Right? That is, I've done the wrong thing, uh, a sin offering perhaps, a guilt offering. I've done the wrong thing. I know it. She knows it. And maybe these flowers can actually turn aside her wrath uh, so that she can see me as acceptable again. Uh, and so that's the sort of, yeah, that is one use of, the, you know, the giving of the flowers. And that's, that's um, but there are other, there are, there are uses of, you know, the bunch of flowers that are much more like the fellowship or the peace offering. Uh, and that is um, thankfulness. Darling, I just want to, I want to give you these flowers to say thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thanks for being such a great wife. Thanks for being such a great mother. And and, and there's so many things, right? So, and and what a lovely expression. Or it could be related to a vow, right? That is 23 years ago, on this day, we made promises to each other. We vowed to love each other till death do us part. And I am just so grateful that you have kept your promises and I'm so grateful to be in this covenant relationship with you. Uh, Or it could just be like the free will offering. That is, I just want to give you this bunch of flowers just because I love you. And there's no agenda. There's no hidden message. Uh, It's just because you delight me. And I love you, and out of that overflow of my joy and love for you, I want to give you this bunch of flowers. Right? And, and that, that might even be the best of all, hey, you know, because there's nothing compelling you to do it except love. Uh, how, how many wives just want, you know, that, that anyway, all right, I won't, I, won't, I won't go into the deficiencies of the husbands here. Um, so I want you to think about God. What has God done for you that you want to give thanks for? What has God done for you that you can say, oh, I'm, I'm so thankful? Does anyone want to call something out? He died for me that I might live forever. He died for me that I might live forever. Yeah, that's right at the heart of it. Hey, uh, so much, yeah. So the death of Jesus in our place so that we might live forever. What, what other things have we got to thank God for? Answers to prayer. So we pray to God and we lay out our concerns to God, but how appropriate and right it is that we come back to God and give him thanks uh, for answered prayer, yeah, for his faithfulness. Yeah. Our children, yeah. Thank you for giving me children and and what a blessing they are and, yeah, and not taking that for granted. God's grace, yeah. What's that? Forgiveness. Yeah. So, I, And forgiveness takes us back where Paul started this off. Forgiveness is so central to what we have to thank God for because, as we saw last week, we are a sinful people and God is a holy God and that is a problem. How can, how can a sinful people possibly stand in the presence of the holy God and not be destroyed? But God provides forgiveness and i think this is why you've got the order of the sacrifices like you do you come along offer your burnt offering or your sin offerings 
which relate to your sin and the need for your sin to be cleansed and atoned so that God's anger might be turned aside. So you offer your burnt offering, and in a sense, the fellowship offering, you then place it on top of the burnt offering. I think symbolically it's that the fellowship offering is a response to what God has already done. Uh, And what better thing to give thanks to God for than that he has forgiven my sins, that he's provided a way for his anger to be turned aside so that I can stand in his presence. And so for all those reasons, for all those thankfulness reasons, you might bring a fellowship offering to God. So, so you know, you talk about the significance. A fellowship offering is a sacrifice of thanks right, at the heart of it. And I think that's why the liver and the kidneys and the intestines are so important. Do you notice how they, they get some sort of stress uh, in chapter 3, some sort of focus in a way that the other sacrifices don't? Um, why is that? Why is there a focus on the kidney, the liver, the intestines? It's because those things are all about the emotions. Right? So you know how we, um, we speak of the heart, you know, you didn't cook that meal from the heart. And the, and the idea is you didn't, put, you didn't put your emotion, you didn't put love into it. You didn't, do you, do you, know, you know how we talk about the heart. You know, I, I love you, I, I love you from the heart. Well, the, the Israelites didn't say that. They didn't think of the heart as the center of emotions. They saw, thought of the guts, you know, the, the stomach, the intestines. So they would say... Uh, you didn't cook this from your guts, right? Uh, you didn't, you know, and, and so, you know, you plate it up and you put it, you know, put the food before someone and you say, no, 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 I'm going to reject that because you didn't put your guts into it, right? That's how, and, and there's no, they wouldn't even laugh at that. You know, that's, that's just how you do it. Uh, and so, and you love God from the very guts of your being, right? From your kidney and intestines and your, you, that, so that's, it's a gut-wrenching love uh, is, uh, is, is what we would describe as a heartfelt love. Right? And so it's just a bit of a difference in the way we think about where the centre of the emotions are. So after you've identified with this cow, put your hands on it, said this cow somehow represents me, then you kill it and you offer its guts to God. And it's like this, the centre of your emotional being. You offer the fat because that's, that's like the best part and the, the part that smells the best. But you offer the, the guts, the intestines, the liver, the kidney. Uh, and it's like saying, God, I love you and, and my emotion. I give you myself and my all and my emotions. Uh, it's a sacrifice of love, the fellowship offering. Love for God. Uh, And my thanks to God and my love for him is something that makes me want to celebrate. Um, So what I do is I get my family and friends and the priests to join in. I don't do it in isolation. Come and celebrate with me in my thankfulness to God and in, in our love together for God. And so we, with, with the fellowship offering, we don't sort of chop it up, eat some of it, and then take it home and eat it over the next few days. Uh, 
you've got to eat it on that day or maybe the next day. But what that regulation ensures is that you, you eat it as a crowd, you know, because there's no way that a single guy can, can eat a whole cow. And that's not the intention of this offering. The offering is about celebration. It's about feasting together. And it would have been an awesome meal. It would have been the meal that you looked forward to for the whole year. Right? Because you go and you've, you've offered your bull in burnt offering and then you go and celebrate God's forgiveness and his kindness and his love as you eat this cow together. And it would have, just, it would have been a truly great meal. So let me pause and ask you, are you thankful to God? Um, if you, we, there are so many reasons for us to be thankful to God. And one of the great sins of humanity is failing to give God thanks. So are you thankful to God and how do you express your thankfulness to God? The Old Testament Israelite would express it by offering the cow as a fellowship offering. How do you express your thanks to God? And secondly, how do you, do you love God? Do you love God from your heart, with all your heart? Um, and how do you express your love for God? Again, you don't bring a cow as an offering, how do you express your love for God? And thirdly, do you celebrate God? Uh, do you rejoice in God? And how do you express it? How do you express that desire to celebrate how great God is? See, in the Old Testament, the way you express those things, one of the ways you express thankfulness and love and celebration in God was you'd offer your burnt offering and then you'd have your fellowship offering as a celebratory meal. But we don't have a tent of meeting anymore, although we're getting close today, aren't we? Uh, we don't have a tent of meeting anymore. When we come to church, we don't bring a bull or a cow or a goat, although someone brought the pigs, which we're not happy about because they brought the flies. But no, we don't, you don't have to bring an animal sacrifice. So how do we express these beautiful things about our relationship with God now? Because they must be expressed. Right? These are things that we cannot contain. They must overflow. Our thanks, our love for God, our celebration in God. Well, what I want you to do is come over to the New Testament with me. And you'll see that I've um, put a bit of an outline there. And there's some verses on the outline. So last week, when we were talking about the burnt offering, and also thinking about the sin offerings, offerings that were offered to cleanse sin, to forgive sin, to provide atonement, we saw Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27. Christ sacrificed himself for sins once for all when he offered himself. Or Hebrews 9, 28. Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. Or Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. 
We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus is the only sacrifice that can take away my sin and your sin. Uh, You know, all the burnt offerings and the sin offerings are fulfilled in that one death of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. So the sacrifices are fulfilled in Jesus' death, and yet in Hebrews 13, there's one more reference to sacrifice, and it's not about Jesus being sacrificed. Have a look at Hebrews 13, verse 15. Therefore, sorry, through Jesus, therefore, and when it says through Jesus, it's because Jesus is our priest. He is the great high priest. And so we offer our sacrifice through Jesus. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. If Jesus' death is the new burnt offering, then our lives become the new fellowship offering. Uh, And in particular, he focuses here on our lips, lips that profess the name of Jesus. Uh, And that's what we're doing this morning. Uh, That's one of the great things about church is we gather together to praise the name of Jesus. Uh, And that is like a fellowship offering because we do it together together. And on our lips, we profess how great Jesus is and what he's done for us. Uh, It is is like a fellowship offering uh, and that we can really uh, put our heart, our emotions uh, into that activity. And we ought to. Um, But we do it as we hear the Bible read and as we pray and as as, as the Bible is taught. That is a way that together... uh, With our lips, we praise his name. We offer a sacrifice of thanks. Um, But we ought to be so excited about Jesus that it doesn't finish here. The idea of fruit of lips that profess his name means that we go out from here and such is our desire for that celebration that we want to tell others. We want others to be captured up in the joy and the celebration, even if they misunderstand, even if they go, oh, it doesn't sound very exciting to me. We want to say, no, it is exciting, and we want to patiently talk people through because we want to to broaden out the party. Uh, This is too good to contain to yourself. So have a look at Hebrews 13 again. Through Jesus, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. And when he talks about sacrifice, he's not talking about a burnt offering. It's more along the lines of the fellowship offering, Uh, the response of a life that has been forgiven and given the promises of God. and The response is giving your life in generous service of God. And it means a generosity towards others. Just like the fellowship offering was like, hey guys, come together. I want, I want you to come and join the feast. Right? Uh, we not only do that by saying, come and get to know Jesus, but, but 
I want to share with you the good things that God has given me. And if that's money, then it's money. If it's time, if it's just love and care. But it's all about sharing that love of Jesus that has come to us. That is our fellowship offering. Um, You see the same pattern in the book of Romans. So early on in the book of Romans, the focus is very much on Jesus, the burnt offering, Jesus, the sin offering, who, look at uh, chapter 3, verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And so it's very much on that once for all time sacrifice of Jesus to atone for our sins. But then you get to chapter 12 and it takes you by surprise. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Um, The burnt offering's taken place. That's Jesus, right? atoning for our sins, when we offer our bodies in living sacrifice, it's not to deal with our sin. It's in response to God's mercy. It's like a fellowship offering. And, and Romans 12 and 13 and 14 is all about living a life of love and generosity and other person-centeredness. That is our new fellowship offering, offering our bodies as living sacrifices, giving ourselves completely to God is that how you have responded to God by offering your body as a living sacrifice because that is the right and proper offering for us today giving our whole lives in joyful service now I want to point out another great connection to the fellowship offering And that is the Lord's Supper. You know, the Lord's Supper, when we get together from time to time, we, you know, we have some bread and some wine in remembrance of Jesus' death in our place. Or I reckon even more, even more, um, it really feels to capture it even more. You know, around Easter time when our Bible study groups will get together for a, a Passover meal. But it's a Passover meal where we celebrate Jesus and his death in our place, having died for our sins. Right? That meal really is like the fellowship offering because when we get together and celebrate Jesus' death, we're not, we're not dealing with our sin by doing that. We're not offering Jesus again like some traditions think of, you know, that as if Jesus is being re-sacrificed as we do it. That's not what it's about. The Lord's Supper is more like a fellowship offering where you say Jesus has died and on top of his death, we will now get together as God's people and celebrate and give thanks and just remind one another of the blessings and benefits that have flowed from him. Uh, And all the more, like I know I love celebrating the Lord's Supper with the bread and the wine, but even more getting together for a full-on roast meal you know, around, you know, in, in one of our houses and eating the whole meal. There's just a, an enriched significance to it, like the fellowship offering. Um, even later today, the picnic on the block. Fellowship offering. Right? I'm not saying that's what we're... But it's like it, isn't it? 
because we're saying thank you god for providing us with this land and we're going to get together and we're going to you know eat the lamb off the spit and cut hunks of it off and eat it and and, and it's going to be a great meal simple but it'll be terrific time of fellowship um but i reckon there is another mention of a fellowship offering in the new testament and it comes from the lips of jesus in one of um, his stories. Can anyone think what I'm talking about? The Lamb's Heavenly Feast. The Lamb's Heavenly Feast. Yeah, I, I, yes, but that's not the one I was talking about. Um, the prodigal son. The prodigal son. It's just sort of hit me this week. I can't find anyone who's sort of backing me on this, but you, you're, you're backing me? All right. So you think about the, the story of the prodigal son where, you, where Jesus talks about this father who has two sons and the youngest son uh, you know, abandons the, the family house. He takes his share of the inheritance. He blows it all in wild living and he is left estranged from his family, uh, destitute, desperate, alone. Right? It, it is just so tragic and sad what his life has become and just the way he's squandered his father's inheritance. And he comes to his senses and he says, oh, even, even the servants in my father's house have it better than I do. I'm going to go home and I'm going to confess to my dad what I've done and I'm going to plead that he would treat me like a slave because I'd be better off as a slave in his house. And so the, the son returns home and it's just this most one of the most beautiful scenes in the bible where the father sees him from a long way off and and in our english versions it says the father had compassion on him but it it, it doesn't it which is a lovely phrase but it doesn't capture it's actually, it's the greek word splank nidzomai right splank nidzomai and what it means is his intestines convulsed, right? Literally, his intestines convulsed, right? Uh, and we, we don't talk like that, but these are Hebrews. We would say his heart broke, his heart melted. Uh, but the Hebrew says his intestines, con- it's that gut-wrenching love of a father who has spent years estranged and grieving the loss of this son. And now could it be that this son is returning home and it's just this overwhelming flood of emotion as he runs out and he wraps his arms around his son and he puts a ring on his finger and the best robe on him. And what does he say? He says to his servants, bring the fattened calf and kill it because we have to celebrate. There's, There's nothing else we can do. We have to celebrate because this son of mine was dead and he's now alive. He was lost and he's found. Uh, and I reckon that's a, it's a fellowship offering. Uh, it's an offering of deep emotional outpouring of thankfulness. I have my son back safe and sound. And the extraordinary thing in that story is that the father is God himself. Uh, And that is quite profound, isn't it? The idea that there is something that motivates God to offer a fellowship offering. Uh, 
And what is it that so captures God's emotional being that, that, that makes him want to burst forth in celebration and makes him want to gather people together for celebration? It is when someone who's been a sinner, who's been estranged from him, comes home and receives mercy and forgiveness and a welcome back into the family. What an amazing God uh, we serve. Uh, A God who is not disconnected and unemotional and harsh. You know, if, if if you only focused on the fact that um, God is holy, we are sinners. How can a holy people stand in the presence of a uh, sorry, a sinful people stand in the presence of a holy God? You might get the wrong idea about God, but what God does is He provides the way, and it's because He has a heart of love. Um, in the in in the emotional core of Him is a love for people and seeing people come back to Himself. And so I just want to pause at this point and say, if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, I I want to plead with you to come to know God uh, because he is such a surprising God. Uh, Even us who have been Christians for years and years, we keep being surprised. We keep having to remind ourselves because we keep thinking... Maybe God is a bit like a taskmaster, you know, and unemotional and removed. But you come to the word of God and you cannot, you cannot hold that position. He is a God of deep love and he shows it in sending his own son as a sacrifice for our sins. And when one of us turns back to him, he is overjoyed. And his response is that he wants to celebrate Uh, because that is the best thing. Uh, I I hope and pray that you take up God's offer of forgiveness and join in the celebration. For all of us here who are Christians, we ought to be like God, hey? Uh, God is a God who has this gut-wrenching compassion for anyone who has walked away from him. God is a God who celebrates joyfully when someone turns to him and finds forgiveness and love. And, and we ought to be the same, right? And we ought to pulse with that same heartbeat of love and compassion for those around about us. At the start, I mentioned our obsession with food. Right? And I said that almost all the shows actually fail to understand what makes a great meal. Right? What is it that makes a great meal? It's the context of the meal. Right? It's the context. Right? So the food and wine is important. Right? And you can't read the Bible and think food and wine are unimportant. Right? They are part of the package, but they are only one ingredient. The other thing you need, good food and wine, combine it with genuine relationships and combine it with a genuine reason to celebrate And there you have the makings of a great meal. And one of the tragedies of our world is that people become obsessed with the food and the wine and neglect relationship with God. They neglect relationship with others. And so they have no good reason to celebrate. But we Christians, we really know how to party. 
We should. Right? We don't have to get drunk to enjoy great celebration. Uh, we have forgiveness and eternal life and the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus and God's love for us. We have every reason to celebrate and we have genuine relationship with God, with his son Jesus, with one another. Right? And when Jesus returns, just as Gordon pointed out, there's going to be, it's going to be a massive banquet. Because that's the character of God and that's what makes for a great meal. It's all, it will all come together in a beautiful climax of a great meal of fellowship, a fellowship offering. But while we wait, let's give our lives in living sacrifice, lips that praise God, hearts of generosity towards others. How about we pray? Oh, God, our Father... Uh, We want to praise and thank you. We want to give our lives to you because that is the only response that makes sense. That is the only response that is appropriate. Father, you have made the way for us sinful people like we are to to enjoy relationship with you through the death of your son as our burnt offering in our place. And Father, we thank you that that brings us all those things, forgiveness and the hope of eternal life and relationship with you. And Father, we pray that we will not stop there, that we will not just hold these things to ourselves and be uh, ungrateful. But Father, we pray that we will live a life of thanks and praise. And we pray that we will have lips that profess your name to a world that doesn't understand what true celebration is about. Father, we pray that we will be able to speak of our joy and the wonder that we have found in you. And we pray that you will move in the hearts of those around about us to come and put their faith in you as well. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.